0: Welcome back to episode two of the Upper 90 Football Podcast, providing American coverage and opinions on all things football. I'm your host, Justin Ruderman.
1: And I'm Garrett Post. And today we'll be recapping game week one of the Premier League, a a week full of bangers, fans back in the stadium, and some overall great football. One of the best weekends that I can remember in quite some time. Justin, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Excited to talk some Prem, even though I might not be happy about the results.
1: Yeah, things didn't particularly go your way, but we'll talk about, I guess, what was the headline match of the weekend um, towards the end of the episode. We're going to go in chronological order, so we'll jump right in, starting at the Brentford Community Stadium, where the Bees took down the Gunners of Arsenal by a scoreline of 2-0. Goals from Sergi Kanos and Christian Norgard. Just some immediate reaction on this game.
0: Yeah, my, my reaction is this. Everyone's taking a lot about how Arsenal are so bad at the beginning of the season. I think that we should talk more about Brentford and how well they played because not that Arsenal didn't play poorly, they did. But this is not the Arsenal team that we're going to see the entire season. They didn't have Aubameyang. They didn't have Lacazette. Partey is still injured. We're going to see a different team with those stars in the team. So I think we should talk more about Brentford, how well they played, in the first game back up in the prem we each predicted uh one promoted side to stay up last week in our in our first episode both of them won this week so good good start for us what about you
1: yeah i agree um i think we learned that i think Brentford will be relying on their home form a lot this season that kind of kind of high energy high octane football almost be also like that they were playing under Frank at times even though no, they had less possession, but kind of that same kind of mentality that they had there, and they feed off, they fed off the energy of, of the fans at the Brentford Community Stadium a lot. So I, I definitely think they'll they're still going to struggle on the road a, a very solid amount this season, but definitely encouraging signs for the bees in terms of Arsenal. I agree that you know they didn't have a lot of players. You know, and Lacazette both out. Partey obviously, but he hasn't honestly been able to keep together. His fitness at all really since joining the club, he hasn't been able to string together a good run of games yet. So we'll see if he ends up being a factor. Um, I, I still think that it is worrying for Arsenal because even with the players they had on the pitch, I, I think Ben White was really bad. Uh, he just uh, he just wasn't good, and and we'll see. Maybe he'll be better when Gabriel comes back into the lineup and and partners him in center back. But um, so far, that doesn't look like fifty million pounds well spent in my opinion. Um, but obviously it's really early to say so we'll see for the rest of the season but yeah I I think for Brentford um, it's good signs it it was kind of meant to be you know their first game back in the top flight in 74 years the first time that their brand new stadium has been full Um, I think there was only ever going to be one winner on Friday night so yeah any other thing anything else to say
0: no, I think, I think we covered it. We can move on to a very exciting game, which has always been an exciting game, Man You versus Leeds.
1: Yes. Uh, quite the rivalry. Finally back. I mean, we had it last season, but wasn't quite the same. I, I watched a couple videos, um, uh, almost like match day vlogs, inside Old Trafford, and atmosphere looked great, um, unless you're a Leeds fan, because let's be honest <laughs> here, Leeds got hammered at Old Trafford for the second season in a row. Um, Bruno Fernandez hat-trick, Mason Greenwood and Fred scoring the other two. Luke Ayling scored a banger for Leeds, but other than that, um, they didn't really do that much. A resounding victory for United. Um, What do you think this means for Marcelo Bielsa's Leeds for the rest of the season, Justin? I mean –
0: it just shows they're going to do the same thing they did last season. They're going to play all-out attacking football, free-flowing attack and defense back and forth. And that's why everyone, all neutrals, love watching Leeds. They're, they're just a fun team to watch under Bielsa. Um, and, and so even when they lose, it's exciting.
1: That's because when they lose, they tend to lose in spectacular fashion. Um, because they won't sit
0: back against a team like Man United, like most teams will. Bielsa doesn't play that way. He'll he'll go forward, and if it means that he's going to get scored on, it, that's what it means.
1: It, it's calculated naivety is really what it is, because um, I, I just think you, you can't. They 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 haven't learned from that, but that's Bielsa's kind of philosophy. Is he plays the same way no matter who he plays? And just from a from a practical standpoint, that's it's just foolish. It is naive, but yeah, you're right. From a neutral's perspective, uh, it, it makes for fantastic viewing. Um, Manchester United, what do you think about their ceiling this season? Do you think they can be genuine title contenders?
0: I struggle with the title contender idea only because I don't think that Ole is a top manager. And I believe in order to win a title, you need a top manager. I don't think that their squad is anything short of title contenders, but their, their manager is problematic. I mean, five, one against Leeds, and, and before the game was for the run announcement. So he's not even on the pitch. I mean, he, they're going to be very, very good and very hard to beat this season. Um, but title, I still struggle with because of the two teams that they have to come. There are really the three teams that they have to compete with um, and their manager.
1: Yeah, I, I worry just slightly about them defensively despite the Varon signing. Um, just because, as, as everyone knows, the one potential weakness in this team is just a lack of a quality defensive midfielder. Um, but the scary thing is that they definitely are going to have more to offer going forward than we saw in the first game. Obviously, Cavani is uh, injured or doesn't have match fitness. Um, Sancho only came off the bench. I honestly thought Dan James was not very good at all in this game. So, um I'm hoping, especially for my FPL team, that, that Sancho will start next week against Southampton at St. Mary's. But, yeah, overall, uh, a, a great start to the season for Manchester United. Leeds not as much, but obviously they were missing Calvin Phillips, um, which, which was a big miss, and, and we know how frail they are in general, but especially when they don't have Calvin Phillips in the lineup. All right, we'll move on to Turf Moore, where Brighton took down Burnley. Uh, come behind, come from behind win, two goals to one. Uh, it was James Tarkovsky who opened the scoring off a corner in typical Burnley fashion. But Neil Mopai, who was much aligned last season for missing just a, a simply absurd amount of chances, equalized in the 73rd minute. And just five minutes later, Alexis McAllister scored the winner off the bench. Justin, thoughts on this game?
0: Yeah, I don't think either of us watched this game because there were so many at that time. We could only watch so many of the games, but um, it turned out to be a great game. As you said, Malkai scoring on his birthday, uh, good for him. And it, I mean, I was surprised when I saw Burnley went up 1-0. I, I expect Burnley to be in a relegation fight and, and Brighton to be mid-table. So the comeback win made sense. Maybe Brighton can uh, stop their XG curse since they were able to quickly come back. I mean, in the end, really.
1: I mean, we'll see. I, I still think that they they really need to sign a striker, and everybody knows it, and they have $50 million that they just uh, acquired from Arsenal for in exchange for Ben White. So, Absolutely. So uh, I, I, again, would be really surprised if they don't go out and sign a number nine before the window shuts in, what, about two weeks' time now. Um, but, yeah, I, I still think they'll have a bit of an XG curse just because it's the way that Potter plays. Um We'll see, but definitely a big result for them. Um, and, uh, yeah, not, not great for Burnley, not the way that they want to start the season. Um, we'll see what happens with them. Moving on to Stamford Bridge, Chelsea hammered Crystal Palace, didn't they?
0: Absolutely. They did. I mean, comfortable win without Lukaku. They're, they're showing that they're legit title challengers, I think, that that's pretty obvious to everyone. Um, obviously as Americans, we love a Pulisic goal. Uh, we, we also got Reno to score this weekend and the Alonzo free kick was a peach. And, um, yeah, the, the Chalaba goal just topped everything off for Chelsea. I mean, his, his reaction, his celebration was, I'm sure as a Chelsea fan, amazing to see. So just, yeah.
1: Yeah. That, cementing probably,
0: themselves as title challengers.
1: Yeah. And that was a great moment for, for Chalaba, but, I, I, I do think it's a little bit funny just considering that it was the third goal playing against palace at home in a route, but I, I get it. I get it. I still just think, yeah, it's a little-
0: but that's why it's so cool it. for Chelsea fans. It's like he, that, that goal is not even important. And look how much he needs to have.
1: That's fair. Well, I mean, at this point graduating from the Chelsea Academy and actually finding yourself in the first team is overcoming the odds. So he, he had to work very hard to get here, but um his two performances this season, you know, in the Super Cup and now against Palace, he's been absolutely fantastic. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him starting pretty regularly for Chelsea if he can keep up this kind of form. All right, we'll move to Goodison Park, where Everton took down Southampton 3-1, winning their first game when trailing at a halftime as Adam Armstrong scored in the first half due to a, just a horrific Michael Keane mistake at the back but Everton won their first game when they were trailing at halftime since September, 2015 at the Hawthorns, when a brace from Lukaku and Aruna Kone scored one. And and that helped them beat West Brom after being two nil down 50 minutes in. Um, I know Justin, uh, you only partially watch this game, but before we get into my Evertonian analysis, just what are your thoughts real quick?
0: Yeah, I'm sure that you have a lot to say already giving some, some deep insight there, but um. I mean, it's just good to see Everton playing well. I mean, what what Everton need this season is Richarlison and DCL to play very well. DCL did it last season. Richarlison was a little bit off, and they both got off to a a great start this season. Uh, The banger from Decore, of course. So it's a good start for Everton, and it's a good start for Benitez as well because it shows whatever he did at halftime, the adjustments that he made, whatever he told the the guys in the locker room, it, it worked. So let's hear your let's hear your Evertonian perspective and all your analysis because I'm sure you're gonna have a lot to say.
1: I mean, the first half the first half was shambolic. Um, I was in a in a pub in San Francisco watching with a group of Evertonians and we were all just like, "Wow, new season, same old Everton losing Southampton at home." You know, a goal that we basically handed them, um, and it was shambolic. It, it, like we were all very frustrated at halftime. But we came firing straight out of the gates. One of the main tactical shifts that Rafa employed actually is, is he switched Richarlison and Demari Gray on the wing. So Richarlison went to the right, Gray to the left, and that actually freed up Richarlison a lot. He ends up scoring two minutes after halftime. Damari Gray was whipping in balls. Um, really dangerous running against Perot, who was uh, their, their right back and just couldn't keep up with Demari Gray's pace. Um, so Everton really turned it on right after halftime. That early goal was exactly what we needed. And then Decore, just a piece of individual brilliance, the limbs in the Gladys treat, the scenes, fantastic. And then DCL scoring his 16th headed goal since the start of 2018-19. That is, I think, four more than any other player in the league in that time span. So we know that he loves to score with his head, especially when the cross from Charleston, which was brilliant, he easily could have just tapped it in with his foot. But it's DCL, so I had to go with the diving heading route, didn't he? Um, yeah, I, it's a good start. Uh, I fear about next week um, with Leeds. Um, I think a packed Ellen Road is going to be a tough task to overcome, especially considering that it'll be Leeds' first home game with fans in the ground in the Premier League for 17 years. So um, I'm not expecting a result in that game. I'd take a point. Definitely, but for now, this is a good start. We need to play the way that we did in the second half um, for, you know, whole games going forward. But yeah, I'll definitely take it. Good results needed those three points. Um, quick, yeah, thought first, quick thought on Benitez's first. Quick thought on first game though. Um, I, I mean, he showed tactical flexibility, and and he knew that the first half was not good enough, and he made that switch, which really ignited everything. Um, so yeah, he also brought on Alex Awobi, who you know, Everton fans you know, don't really like, um, for the most part, I'd say there's, there's a few who defend him, but he actually came off the bench and had an immediate impact. He was directly involved in both of the goals. He had the assist for Decoray's banger. And then he also found a really clever slided through ball into Richarlison who then crossed it into Calvert-Lewin. So he had an impact off the bench. So his subs worked, the change he made at halftime worked, um, So, yeah, I I enjoyed it a lot. And it's also the first time that we've – I forget, what was the stat that I just sent you earlier today? Here, I'm going to pull it up real quick. The stat is that all three of Everton's goals against Southampton were scored in the second half, which is as many second-half goals as we had scored in our previous 16 home league games combined under Ancelotti. So that's crazy that we – had scored in the previous 16 home games, scored three second-half goals. We scored three second-half goals in one game against Southampton. Um, so hopefully, I think obviously the fans being back in the ground is is a big boost for us. We were just quite frankly awful in at home last season. So, um, yeah, I think fans being back in good to saying is going to help a lot. I expect our waveform to – <laughs> if we're definitely not going to be able to replicate it. We won 13 league games on the road last season. That's not happening, but our home form should be a lot better. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. I'm not I'm not going to be too high on this or too low if we lose against Leeds. I, I think just a couple more weeks to judge um, where we're at. But we have good fixtures, so hopefully we can just get some momentum and carry those into when we have some tougher games. I think that that's enough about Everton for now. We'll yep. move on to – the King Power Stadium, where a goal from Jamie Vardy in the first half was enough for Leicester to take down uh, Bruno Lages' Wolves. Um, what did you think about that match?
0: Yeah, another game I was unable to watch. But, I mean, did, did I have to look who scored? I saw Leicester 1-0. Tells you enough. Vardy's, Vardy's going to be the one goal scorer, and he won it. Um, yeah. I mean, I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't watch the game, so I, I don't have too much uh, insight on how the game went. But I, mean, I expected Wolves to, to struggle this year. So a 1-0 loss to Leicester is actually not horrible um, in their first game.
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, they could have had more than a 1-0 no loss. I, that was one of the – there were three games on in the pub where I was at. So obviously the Everton game, which was what I was watching, but there were a couple of Chelsea and Palace supporters actually um, watching, the, watching that game on another TV. And then Wolves and Leicester was the other one. Adama Traore had two really good chances through on goal. The first one he put wide, the second one, right at the end of the game, he just hit straight at Casper Schmeichel. Um, so, I, honestly, I think Wolves could have gotten a point out of this game pretty easily, but Jamie Vardy's finish is just class. It's just what you come to expect from Jamie Vardy. Outside of the left foot, into the top corner, over Wolves' new keeper. Um, what's it? Saw, I believe his name, something like that. Yeah, Jose Saw. Um, so yeah, it, classic Vardy finish. Leicester starting off um, the season strongly. Obviously, they won the Community Shield as well. So they have. Don't remind West, me. They have <laughs> they have West Ham on the road next week. That'll be a really good game. That'll be a big test for both of those sides. Um, and we'll move on to West Ham in a little bit. Justin, you want to take us to the next game?
0: Yeah. Watford versus uh, Aston Villa, which is a game that I believe I was watching and, and you weren't able to, because it was not on at the pub. Um, but I mean, Ismail Asar was absolutely incredible. He made Matt Target look like his ankles were made of jello the entire night. He, he Turning him inside and out. He got a goal. He, he Everything that he did in that game just shows that he is Premier League quality. And, Honestly, should move on from Watford after this season probably because it, it was impressive to watch this man work. Um, as well, the, uh, the uh, banger from Cucho Hernandez when he came right off the bench and scored one minute after coming on and just curled it off the post. Beautiful goal, potentially goal of the week candidate. So it was it was a fun game. 3-2. Um, the Cucho goal ended up being the winner. When Aston Villa attempted a very, very late comeback, that was uh, not enough. But I appreciated that Danny Ings garbage goal for my fantasy.
1: I I did too for my fantasy. But I I think that that John McGinn goal was actually fantastic. Assist from Leon Bailey off the bench in his first game for Villa. And McGinn just side-foots it in in the far corner. That is not an easy finish. And he made it look easy. And yeah, you're right. I, I obviously was not able to watch the game. But I heard that Matt Target was getting turned inside out. And I, and I can bet that that's true, considering that he got subbed off at halftime. Um, so, obviously, Dean Smith also saw that problem. Um, yeah, I man, I'm telling you, don't sleep on Watford. This is why I predicted them to not get relegated. Remember, I think I put them in 15th. Um, so, we'll see how that turns out. But, yeah, a good start for them, for sure. Um, I think also one of the main takeaways is Villa are top-heavy. They have good depth in attack, but um, their midfield, their, their back line... As you said on, on Twitter, are their fullbacks overrated? I think their whole back line is a little overrated, in, in my opinion. I, I think Mings gets a lot of hype, and, and he's a good player. But it, by himself and, and with two really attacking fullbacks in cash and target, are they really going to be able to be solid enough to finish You know, eighth, even seventh that I've seen some people putting them at? I don't know. And the fact that they just conceded three against Watford, newly promoted side in the first game of the season, not good signs for Villa, in my opinion, despite – the late comeback, the garbage time, Danny Yings' penalty. One of um, one of those. Some people yeah.
0: was me putting them in
1: seventh. You put them in seventh? Oh my goodness! Yeah, do not remember. Come on! No, I thought you put them eighth for some. Okay, you put them seventh. Yeah. See, I I think that's that's knee jerk. I, I I think um they have good well, I, got, I, got a I don't lot think goals a, will be a problem. But, but I got I think, a lot
0: of um Villa Villa fans in my comments saying no, they're not overrated. Don't don't be reactionary. Said you know it's just turned target inside out and uh foden turned cash inside out last last year so we'll see
1: yeah Uh, you know good good start for watford definitely they needed three points to start the season off on the right tone um next up for both of them is for watford they will be playing at the amex against brighton um villa have newcastle at home so that's certainly a winnable game for them um so, we'll see where they go from there. All right, moving on to the final game of Saturday, which was Liverpool's 3-0 win on the road at Cairo Road against Norwich City. Um, goals from Jota, Firmino, Salah. Um, we were both watching this game very intently, so we'll definitely have yep. some good insight. Uh, you go ahead. What were your thoughts on this game?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that we'll both agree that Norwich probably deserved a goal. Um, they, they they created some chances, and that, that melee in the box was – Incredible that the ball didn't even go in. But, I mean, nonetheless, an incredible performance from Liverpool. Convincing start, showing that they're still the Liverpool of old with Van Dyke uh, playing the full 90 um, back from injury. I know he's been playing preseason, but a full 90 start with a clean sheet is a great start for him back from a terrible injury. Um, and as you said, Jota Firmino Sala scored. I mean, you can't get better than that as a Liverpool fan, except for maybe Mane tapping one in as well. Um, So, yeah, I mean, very, very convincing from Liverpool. And uh, as an American, love to see Josh Sargent get his debut for Norwich.
1: Definitely, that's a good point. I almost forgot about that. Um, Yeah, I think Norwich deserved more from this game. You know, I, I don't think they deserved a point. You know, the, their defending was far too shambolic for that, but I think 3-0 actually flatters Liverpool a bit, in, in my opinion. Um, Jota's goal was you know, straight up a, a missed control from Salah, found through, well-finished by the Portuguese. Um, the Firmino goal was a tap-in. I mean, it, It's the most sala show is really what it is. That's Sala assist on both of those, even though the first one he didn't really mean. The second one he definitely did, cutting it across for Firmino, but the way that the ball got to him in the first place was a little bit fortunate as well. And then the third goal, just a curler through bodies. I, I still think that Cruel should have saved it, but um, he saw it late, so I can un- un- kind of understand, you know, he got a-, a finger to it but couldn't keep it out. Overall, yeah, I think Liverpool definitely deserved to win the game. I, I think uh, you look at their midfield three that they started, and it was pretty poor. And I think Norwich, in, in the first half at least, had, had a good um, – good control over the game. Not, you know, not that they controlled the game, but they were definitely in it and they were possessing the ball. They were fine, making some good moves, getting down the wing, but really their quality in the final third was, was just bad. The whole game, their biggest chance to score, as you said, the melee in the box at the end off the free kick. Um, So I think they definitely deserved a goal. Maybe not then based on the fact that they just couldn't find that final ball. Um, But yeah, encouraging for Liverpool to have Van Dijk back for the full 90 minutes. I didn't expect that. Um, Sala is still Sala. That's what everyone expected. Um, so yeah, you know, right. How Liverpool start one of three teams to win on the road this week out of 10. So there were 10 games, uh, zero draws. Um, and then seven home teams, won, three away teams, won, being Liverpool, Brighton and, um, West Ham. So yeah, good start for Liverpool. Um, we'll see where they go from here. They need uh, their midfielders back, though, because, uh, you know, against a better team that isn't so frail defensively, I think that midfield three of uh, they started Milner, Oxley, Chamberlain, and Keita, I think that could definitely get exposed. So they need Fabinho back uh, in the starting 11. They need Henderson back in the starting 11, and they'll be fine.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely their, you know, second string midfield. So winning with that, we'll we'll see what they can do when they get some midfielders back. Not that they have you know, the best midfield depth right now. But moving on to uh, Newcastle versus West Ham, which on paper looked maybe not like the most interesting game of the week, but turned into, in my opinion, the game of the week. It was a fast start, goal, early goal. It went back and forth um, with West Ham keep leveling it and eventually coming back and winning it. Six goals total. Um, I mean, it was just a fantastic, entertaining game to watch, which I honestly can say I did not expect. I expected maybe it, a- one nil, 2 nil. West Ham win to to bore me to sleep. But it was the game of the week. Um, Saeed Ben-Rama, I said in our first episode, we'll have a breakout year. He already has as many goals as last year. He had an assist as well. Um, Antonio also off to a great start. He basically made it the entire game. So we'll, we'll see. It's it's a good start for West Ham. Very entertaining game. Um, what, about, what are your thoughts, Garrett?
1: Yeah, I mean... I agree. West Ham definitely were not at their best in the first half, conceding two pretty cheap goals um, off crosses to Newcastle. The defending was not great. Saint Maximin um, kind of turned Cresswell apart there. Oh no, sorry, it was uh, it was Declan Rice. He you know turned him around, got to the byline, cross it easy. Callum Wilson header. So I think West Ham definitely have things to work on defensively. I think conceding two against Newcastle not great, but yeah, going forward, they, they were catching Newcastle on the counter brilliantly. Antonio with the pace going through, um, they created a lot of chances. They just definitely deserve to win this game. Um, I think Antonio getting through fit, as as you said, is another positive for West Ham. We <laughs> you know about his injury record, but if he can stay healthy, he's actually now equaled Paulo Di Canio's goal record for West Ham at 47. So if he scores one more... Next week, um, against Leicester, he will become their all-time leading Premier League goal scorer, which is kind of a testament to his consistency, but also his adaptability, his versatility, considering that, you know, a few years ago he was playing right wing back, and then he was playing I, right wing.
0: And then, I was just about to say, did you see his interview? He I was, did see his interview. He, he was asked how, about tying the goal-scoring record, and his response was, not back for a right back, is it?
1: Yeah, no, definitely not. Definitely isn't. But yeah, David Moyes' West Ham continue to roll on. Also, I got to say, I love that they finally gave Antonio the nine. It was a long time coming.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And for Newcastle, we'll, we'll see. I mean, they still, they still have Joe Willock to come in, and, and that saved them last season, so we'll see what we can do this season.
1: Yeah, it's, again, just defensive frailty. Um, yeah, not, not looking great for Newcastle, and that's why we both predicted them towards the bottom of the table. You had them going down, didn't you?
0: I did. I did.
1: Yeah. And I had them, I think just, I think I had them 17th, just one spot above the relegation zone. We'll see. All right. And then we'll move on to the final game of the match week. This is all you, Justin Spurs one Uh, Manchester city. nil. give us your reaction. All right.
0: Well, just like, just like people reacting a little too much to Arsenal. I think people, I mean, people were calling Grealish a flop. He was, he's the best player for man city on the pitch. On Sunday. I, I, I don't know where this flop idea is coming from when he played a very good game. He didn't have any help. Sterling and Mahrez, I'm not sure that they were aware that they were playing a football match. And Torres was up front making the same run. He made the same exact darting run through the center 20 times in that game. Not once was the ball played to him. And he decided, okay, I'm just going to keep making this run instead of making any other run possible. Um, And then even when Jesus came on in the second half, at first he was on the wing and Ferran stayed up front, which blew my mind. Eventually uh, Jesus did, did go up front, but it was very, very weird stuff. Um, I will say, you know, Kevin, Kevin De Bruyne came on and created some chances within like five minutes. So I think with, with him on the pitch, it's, we're a different team obviously. Um, But you know, it's, it's great performance from the Spurs first game under Nuno you see his philosophy they were extremely dangerous on the counter attack and the the Sun goal was obviously a stunner but it it wasn't surprising they shouldn't have needed a stunner to win that game honestly in my opinion because they were extremely dangerous on the counter they kept I mean we didn't really have an answer and honestly I think that Fernandinho at 36 might might have struggled a little bit to to run that much because they would literally run through the center circle. It's not like they just had to go down the wing and cross. They would run right down the, the center of the pitch, um, which is generally where Fernandinho is supposed to be, making either a tactical foul or, or a tackle to stop the counter. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think it showed the need for, for City to get a striker, preferably not a basketball player from Solihull Moors. That was reported today. Um, if if you've heard about that, preferably preferably the guy that Spurs were missing and beat us without Harry Kane. So I mean, beating us without Harry Kane is obviously impressive, and and should be applauded. And, you know, impressive um, debut for just for uh, managing Spurs. So we'll see, we'll see. But hopefully, with a, a improved team with KDB coming back and Foden coming back, and hopefully we can sign a striker. So hopefully we can improve, but as far as Spurs, very impressive performance from their first game.
1: I mean, yeah, De De Bruyne came on the pitch and and within 30 seconds, was just playing some ridiculous balls right into the quarter of uncertainty, but none of them came off. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, as I said, I predicted Chelsea to win the league and and I don't see that changing unless city sign a striker. Um, I, I think if they sign Kane, um, they'll be pretty nailed on to win the league. Um, and then you know potentially the champions league as well but we'll see because psg obviously have have just amassed you know an absolute super team if i've ever seen one the best transfer
0: window in football history yeah
1: but if if city can't sign a striker who can who can get in positions who doesn't make the exact same run 25 times every game um they're really going to struggle because as much as you know i think there's some fantastic players on the pitch grealish de bruyne uh, Mora's, you know, all players that can create a lot of chances. They need someone who can finish it off. And right now, that's obviously not Gabriel Jesus, which is why you know there's Pep has not had any faith in him really for the last season and a half or so when Aguero's been consistently injured, and now when Aguero's not at the club anymore, obviously, um, I, I don't think that's the right position for Ferran Torres either. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think if City don't sign a striker after watching that, um, I, I don't know what they're doing. We'll see. Um, what happens with this new bid that Fabrizio Romano is talking about for Kane, 150 million euros or whatever it's rumored. Um, I also think Spurs fans pretty hilarious with their, are you watching Harry Kane chant. That that was pretty great.
0: Did, um, did you see what Sam Lee tweeted about that?
1: He said it was like disrespectful or something, didn't he?
0: No, no, no. He it was, it was more of a joke. He tweeted, um, yes, he is watching and he's thinking, um, let me go to city and fix this.
1: That's true. That I mean, that's that's fair. I think he. I mean, that's not going to change the fact that he knows that playing for City, you know, in a timescale more than just one game, he's going to be a lot more successful than at Spurs. But you do have to say it is encouraging that if if Spurs do just reject all the bids that come in from City and keep hold uh, of Kane, him in that system on the counter. Him and Son, like last year, but, you know, they were defensively really solid in this game. They, you know, City made Eric Dyer look good, and you know that I'm not a, a fan of Eric Dyer in any way, shape, or form. But
0: Definitely not. Um,
1: if, if they can keep that defensive solidity and then add Kane into this counter, they're going to be really dangerous. I thought Lucas Mora had a really good game. Um, he was really giving – him and Son, obviously, obviously Son, but he was also giving Fernandinho a lot of problems. He completed something like six or seven dribbles in the match, getting past players. Um, so, yeah. Good signs for Spurs. also thought Bergvine was relatively lively, and, and he's had a huge drop-off in form basically since his first game against City at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. But um, and
0: I uh, think we would – I think it would be remiss to um, not mention Jafet Tanganga, who I oh, mean, had yeah, an incredible, yeah, incredible game. I mean, really – I tweeted before the game, actually, Jafet Tanganga has, it has to go up against Raheem Sterling today, and that's going to be a tough matchup for him. He, yeah, he pocketed Raheem Sterling. He yeah, really did. Yeah, that was
1: did. a tough matchup for Raheem Sterling, is what it was. It, it turned out to be. I mean, people are saying that
0: he pocketed um, Jack Grealish. They don't realize Grealish is playing in the midfield. He he did pocket uh, Raheem Sterling though, and and he he did do a lot of work on Grealish as well. A lot of them were he fouled him a lot. Grealish got fouled a lot, and I'm surprised that Tanganga didn't get a yellow card earlier. But um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was a really impressive performance from a, a young man rising. And uh, I think that one we all may like from the Spurs documentary.
1: Yeah. Do you have any explanation for City's kind of curse at the Tottenham Tottenham Hotspur Stadium? Or, I mean, I think even at Wembley now, because I believe it's now that in this fixture, City at Spurs, City have lost four times in a row. Why? Well, I
0: I think it's the managers, right? when you look at it, Pochettino has always done well against Pep Guardiola and so has Nuna. So these, uh, obviously Mourinho is, uh, is obviously a world-class manager. So that does, I mean, but he was only there briefly. Um, but Pochettino has always performed very well against, um, against Pep Guardiola. He knocked us out of the champions league in one of the most incredible ties of all time. um, and, and Nuno Espirito Santo. I mean, he, he beat us twice with Wolves. He drew twice also with Wolves. He always performs well. And it's, I, I think that's, I think that's what it is. The, the managers have very good idea of, of what Pep's doing and they uh, reply to it very well. It's impressive for sure.
1: Well apparently Mourinho did too because out of those 4 he won 2 of those obviously the Bergvine debut and then uh last season the game where I think it was was it both Kane and Son scored or something well I don't like
0: think that. there's any I don't think there's any debating that Mourinho I mean some people think that he's passed it but um I don't think there's any debating that he was at one time one of the best managers in the world and still is a top manager but he but but I think that Pochettino and Nuno maybe underrated the both of them because pochettino got a lot of hate when psg did not win the league last year um and nuno spirito santo i mean people weren't impressed when he went to when he went to spurs i think it was the i think it was their top option besides maybe conte obviously but i think that they he they were he was the first person that they went to excuse me um and he rejected them at first but they got it done levy got the job done and i i would um be curious to know your opinion on the Kane thing because I see it as it could be similar to the Grealish um, signing with Villa where it's beneficial for Villa just to sell him for that price. I think it could be beneficial for Spurs to take that money from Kane. Yes, he's obviously their best player and carries them, but if they can spread that money around, it might be better for them in the long term if they can invest it properly um, with, you know, the new football director from Juve.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think – not to fall in just into this cliche, but it's all about how well they reinvest that money if they do sell cane, Because they're, they're either in a lose-lose situation or they're in a win-win situation, but it's up to them to choose which one they want that to be. Um, if they spend the money well, then you know, they can get back to being in the top four every season. You know, last year was their lowest finish, um, finishing seventh. And I think it was something like 11 years, 12 years, something like that. So you know, they are kind of in the dumps and they do need something to change. Um, if they can spend that K money wisely, so get a new center forward, maybe get um, another center back to partner Christian Romero, get um, another center mid to play alongside Hoyberry, because I, you know, as much as I think all he skipped it all right, um, he definitely did seem like a bit of a liability, especially at the beginning of the game when City were really dominating. He was giving away a ball a lot, but um, you know they sold Bale for a world record fee and they didn't really invest the money well. They but they got Erickson. they got. I guess Lamella, who I wouldn't say contributed that much despite the fact that he just scored two goals off the bench in his debut for Sevilla after the Brian Hill swap deal. But um, it's it's all about how Spurs would reinvest that. Um, we'll see. I think if City are offering the kind of money that Fabrizio Romano is saying they're offering, just for a 28-year-old, especially one who's done all this for your club, I, I think, I genuinely believe that if City come in with an offer that's like, you know, 130 million pounds plus add-ons or Gabriel Jesus or some other player, I, I personally think that Spurs should take the deal.
0: Yep. And I think that you're right. It is, it's how well they invest the money and they haven't in the past, but obviously they have a new uh, football director with Fabio Paratisi from Juve. So he's uh, could be, could turn them around if, with that money potentially. So did
1: you see the video of him celebrating the full-time whistle on the bench next to Nuno? Did not. Oh yeah. He was very, he was very happy or maybe it was just right in like the director's box right behind, but it was, he was, yeah, the passion was uh Spurs fans were, were loving that on Twitter. Okay. So let's look towards next week. Um, so we, we already mentioned a couple of the fixtures, but I have them here. So on Saturday we have Liverpool versus Burnley at Anfield, pretty comfortable win for Liverpool. I, you know, I'm, I'm, there's no way, you know, I highly doubt that you see anything else happening.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I don't think so. It's just a debate of do you captain Sala in FPL or maybe Mares or somebody
1: else. I'm I'm thinking Mares at the mo- at the moment because of the fixture that they're playing next week, which we'll gonna get onto in a second. Uh, Newcastle will be traveling to Villa Park to take on Villa, who honestly need three points after that uh, disappointing results at Vicarage Road. So I think yeah, Villa will need to bounce back there. Um, we have another kind of London Derby here as Brentford will be going to Selhurst Park. Uh, Patrick Vieira's first home game as Palace manager. What did you think? We didn't really talk. We talked more about Chelsea than we did about Palace. Um, are you yeah. concerned about Palace's performance at Stamford Bridge?
0: Not really because it's a, it's a, it's a first game and, they're playing Chelsea, who are obviously going to be title contenders. So I, I don't Champions think that we should up, right. Yeah, I don't think that we should take um, you know too much away from that. I do think that the 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 Brentford game, though, Crystal Palace versus Brentford, will tell us a lot about where how both these teams will fare uh, this season, because we both predicted, I think, Palace to you know almost almost mid table. And Brentford maybe a little bit lower. You I, you predicted them to go back down. I thought they might stay up, but I think it'll tell us, you know, how how Brentford will fare against, you know, the mid-table sides, and in Chris, if Crystal Palace are in relegation trouble this year, this this could tell us.
1: Yeah, I, I think if Brentford pick up a result here, you know, a point or or all three, um, I think that'll definitely be good signs for your Brentford staying up prediction and not mine, but also that could you know, start to spell trouble for palace. We've seen them sack managers pretty quickly in the past. I'll never forget Frank the Boer getting sacked after four weeks at the beginning of the season. And then that's when Roy Hodgson came in, but we'll see. I, I tend to think that palace will be all right. Um, yeah, not a, not, that was a baptism by fire for Vieira. Okay. Then we have, as I mentioned, Everton traveling to Ellen road, which will see its first Premier League game with fans in 17 years. Um, I personally think Leeds are going to win this game. I think just the atmosphere of the occasion is going to be too much for Everton. It's going to be like a similar to Brentford v. Arsenal situation. What do you think?
0: Yeah. I mean, I always love watching Leeds, so I'll, I'll watch and I watch Everton for you most of the time. So I, I think it'll be a good game. I'm really not sure which way it'll go. So that's those are the games I, t- I like to watch, you know, when I'm not so sure. I, I think that you're often pessimistic about Everton, which I understand, but. But, yeah, I, I don't think that it's, you know, nailed on for a Leeds win or anything like that.
1: We'll see. We'll see. It's going to need a, bi- a big effort from Everton. Okay, and then we have uh, Norwich traveling to the Etihad to take on the champions. Yeah, um, I mean,
0: hopefully we can get a, our first win of the season. If we don't, we're, we're <laughs> going to be a little bit more trouble. I-
1: I would be absolutely shocked if you didn't. Uh, this is, ta- yeah, talking about baptism by fire. Norwich playing Liverpool and City in their first two matches. Yeah, I think I might be captaining Mares. I'm a little bit scared that he he could potentially get benched just because of. They Arsenal. also they also play Leicester
0: and Arsenal the next two weeks. So yeah, that's, 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 yeah,
1: that's mental. Um, yeah, so we'll see. I, I might I might captain Mares. Um, I'm not sure. I'm
0: thinking about it as well.
1: Yeah, I just hope he doesn't get benched because of his non-influence Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And then he had that one big chance in the first half, which he totally squandered. But then after that, we have the London Derby that we – or sorry, no, I'm at the – here we go. We have uh, Brighton Watford, as we mentioned, at the Amex. Um, This will be another test, I think, of Watford's Watford's metal, their resolve. As you said, it's kind of like the Brentford scenario. How will they fare against these mid-table teams? And Brighton are definitely a team that can be uh, exploited. You know, absolutely.
0: I agree. It's a similar game to that, that Brentford Palace one. We're going to see how these two teams fare based on this game a little bit. Obviously it's still early, but this is where we find out um, how teams are looking this year.
1: Then we've got United uh, traveling to the South coast to take on the Saints at St. Mary's stadium. I, I think that'll be a comfortable win for United as well. I might captain Bruno. Um, we'll see. And then we have Spurs-Wolves, which will be, as you said, it's going to be a really good test um, for Spurs to, you know, see if they can continue this, that kind of performance against City um, at Molyneux. Wolves should be up for it, um, you know, coming off of a tough loss at Leicester.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's also obviously Nuno's return to Wolves. So I think that that'll be exciting to see. And I think I expect a Spurs win, honestly. I, I have said that I think Wolves will struggle and obviously Nuno knows Wolves very well, and maybe not their new system, but they're the players. Um so I think that I think Spurs should come out of there with win and uh six out of six.
1: And then we've got potentially the game of the weekend, which is Arsenal hosting Chelsea in a London Derby. Um that should be a fantastic game. Personally, I think Arsenal, not only are they going to need a bunch of their players back to have any chance against Chelsea, but they're also just going to have to play a completely different way. Um, They they can't replicate that performance at Brentford because they were just so uninspiring. So I see a Chelsea win in that game.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I I don't know how – like, we look at it and we see Chelsea, Arsenal, London, exciting game. You know what I mean? I don't know if it's going to be that way. I, I, I see a potential Chelsea domination. I mean, we don't know who's going to be back for Arsenal, and the reports are saying Lukaku will be there for Chelsea. So an improved Chelsea, if we, if we don't see Aubameyang or Lacazette return, it could, be a bad, it could be a bad day for Arsenal, in my opinion.
1: To play devil's advocate for a second, I will say that this is kind of a bogey fixture for Chelsea. Everyone kind of expected them to dominate it last season, and they didn't, and they actually lost the game. If you remember that granite Jaka absolute screamer off of the free kick. And then the final game... Of the weekend, which is West Ham hosting Leicester, I think that will also be a fantastic game, and that's a that's a total toss up in, in my mind. I don't really know who's going to win that, so that should be good viewing on Monday.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely favor Leicester, um, just because I you know think that they're going to fare better over the entire season. But single game early on, both teams you know have attack and and Ben Rama and Antonio off to a great start. Vardy, the star of Le- Leicester, obviously off to a good start, so. We'll see. I think it could yeah, be a very good game.
1: All right. So that'll do it for our Premier coverage for the week. So we can move on to a bit of MLS now. Um, we'll start, I guess, Justin, we can just start with um, the LAFC game. Uh, one of the bigger results of the weekend as Atlanta United, thanks to Joseph Martinez' first goal at home in 22 months, took down um lafc so what were your thoughts on that match i actually haven't talked to you about this yet so i'm interested to hear your take on it
0: yeah i mean um you're right i mean saturday in the mls was really uneventful i mean there were a lot of games but nothing too shocking or surprising or exciting happening um just basic expected results um but but yeah i mean obviously lafc is my team it, it's it's been tough to see this downturn this loss has pushed us out of the playoff positions. So we are currently in eighth
1: sitting looking
0: on the outside, looking in.
1: And the um, quakes are right behind you.
0: <sighs> breathing down our necks. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say. I'm, I'm we're, we're recording this on, um, on Monday afternoon. And right before I go on spaces, LAFC Hawaii on Twitter. If any LAFC fans are listening Monday at 4 PM, LA time. Every Monday, we do a spaces to discuss the game on the weekend. So I will be doing that uh, in about an hour. But my take, I can tell you guys right now, is that the, I don't know why we started in this 5 2 3 formation. Um, it doesn't really work. It doesn't make sense. We need more st- uh, midfield stability. Atuesta was going m- much far forward than I expected. I expected it to be a double six almost um, with, with Blessing next to him. But Atuesta was going extremely far forward, which was leaving us vulnerable. Um, so it was a very entertaining first half. Unlucky that our, our goal for Mamadou Fall um, got ruled out. It was a very, very, very close decision. Um, uh, speaking of Mamadou Fall, though, he had a fantastic game. First start uh, MLS team of the week. So it's a great thing. And when LAFC is struggling at center back with Segura uh, tearing his ACL, it's, it's a good thing to see a young center back coming up. But, you know, another another result where it could be called unlucky, you know, the Martinez goal, they they got one that, you know, we could have stopped if Murillo gets that interception where he's flinging his right leg over his head. Um, and and the Mamadou fall could be counted and that it's a 1-0 win for us. So I get why a lot of LAFC fans are saying we're just unlucky. We keep getting unlucky. But – it, when it when when luck when you're unlucky every time it's not luck it's there's something else to it because luck is uh, something that is out of the ordinary so that's my opinion hopefully we can you know turn it around I think that Bob Bradley is obviously in the hot seat for those of you yeah, who don't I, I was know I to
1: say do, do you think he should go
0: yeah I was yeah so I, I am Bob out I think he, I've, I, been, I, Bob I I mean, I've been
1: Bob out in, since, I mean I've been Bob out since.
0: I'd love to hear your opinion on this. Cause I've been Bob out since the middle to end of last season. Um, and it has started getting really popular this season, um, with the way that we are performing. So what is, what does it look like with Bob from the outside?
1: Um, I just think it's quite simply he, like LAFC season has just been nowhere near good enough. You look at the caliber of players, the, the kind of the profile of the club, you know, Carlos Vela, one of the best players in the league. Um, And he's just getting it wrong and you say unlucky but you know with that quality of players that you should you should not be one point at have the earthquakes after 19 games like that's just not good enough and and i think i don't think lafc were good enough last season at all either i think he went you know there was the one season the sport shield season where they were absolutely exceptional you know obviously were unable to uh progress past the cup semifinals but um the past two seasons have just been kind of bang average and when you look at the caliber of players the amount of money being spent it's just not good enough so i agree i, I think i think bob bradley's had his time i think he should be you know i, I think he should go now or within a couple of weeks if the results don't get any better
0: yeah i think that the, i think that the um el traffico coming up at the end of the month could be the decider for that one. So right.
1: that, keep, that could keep, be like keep a, your
0: eyes peeled LAFC fans
1: could, could be a Marco Silva situation where he got sacked about 12 hours after we got hammered at Anfields during the 2019 20 season. We'll move on to um, the big game from last night one of the games of the season. I See, think. Yeah. hold
0: on before, before we get to that game, I think that we should touch on Nashville real quick.
1: Oh yeah. Um, yeah, because yeah,
0: that, yeah. that was also a resounding victory five, um, two. And the reason I want to touch on Nashville really quick it's just because I think that they need more respect as an expansion club. I don't think that they're getting their respect um, because people didn't – I don't know really why, but they finished last year in seventh, which obviously isn't fantastic, you know, just sneaking into the playoffs. But they had a shock result against Toronto, and they only got knocked out of the playoffs by the eventual champions, the MLS Cup winners, Columbus Crew. So and, – and they're now having an incredible season. They just beat DC United 5-2, resounding victory. And they're in third place in the East. They're having yeah, and DC, a fantastic and DC
1: United, season. DC United are nowhere near as bad as they were last season. You know, they're in sixth place. They're in a playoff spot right now as well. Um, they're actually only four points behind Nashville at the moment. So that's a big victory for them to, to win in that way. And, yeah, third place in the East. They're, they're definitely impressing. Also, they've been playing the last I, – I heard – when Walker Zimmerman came off the bench yesterday, it was their first game with him for like 43 days or something because wow. you know he was with the U.S. Men's National Team and then got injured, and that's arguably their most important player. Um, so with Walker Zimmerman Absolutely. back in the lineup, you know uh, the reigning MLS Defender of the Year, um, yeah, I, I think Nashville are, are definitely having a, a really good season, a season to remember. We'll see what they can do in the playoffs. Um, yeah, so I, I totally. But yeah, agree I mean he's he's goals. he's
0: a huge leader for them. As, as an LAFC fan, I can say when we lost Walker Zimmer, when we sold him, um, I think all, AFC, LA, all LAFC fans will agree it was, you know, we didn't get as much money as we would have liked. But we lost our leader and it has shown ever since we have not been able to replace that leader, especially an English speaking leader um, in a team of mostly South Americans. So, yeah. Great for guess, Nashville. B-
1: before before we move on to Seattle versus Portland, I'll just quickly touch on the Quakes, who played on Friday against Vancouver. A nil-nil draw. Honestly, a fair result. Um, Abobasi got his first start for the club, um, but he was kind of playing left wing. Like, Chofis was almost kind of playing as a striker. He hit the post, yeah, right? didn't he? He did hit, he did hit the post. Um, so, it, you know, the Quakes could have definitely won the game, but, you know, the unbeaten streak uh, going on even further – Quake's picking up points where we're now sniffing around the playoff spots. As I said, we're one point behind you guys, you know, right, breathing down your neck. So um, yeah, you know, not a great result. Vancouver aren't a solid team, but it's, it's better than losing at home and uh, we'll move on from there. And we'll go to, as I said, probably one of the games of the season, I'd imagine, which was Seattle going into Providence park in Portland, dropping a six spot on the Timbers. Thanks to a brace from Freddie Montero. A brace from the ever so deadly Raul Ruiz Diaz, um, possibly the goal of the season from Jimmy Madranda on the full volley, just an outrageous goal. And then Nicolas Benazet scored in stoppage time. Um, the Portland goals were Blanco and Fochive, and and it was actually two two at one point, and then Seattle just took over. What were your thoughts on this match?
0: Yeah, I mean, resounding victory as you said. Um, it, it's. It's nice to see Freddie Montero back. It's a little bit nostalgic to see him, you know, back scoring goals for, for Seattle, but this is embarrassing for Portland. Their season has been subpar. And this is, you know, this is, this is what it would feel like if we lose at the end of the month to, to galaxy six, two, it would be an embarrassment and Bob would be sacked pretty quickly. I, in my opinion, this is not what Portland Timber fans want to see. Um, and and it was in i mean it, it was the way that it happened too because portland almost you know they had they felt like they had an opportunity when they scored those couple goals to get back in it and then seattle just shut the door immediately no,
1: they, they were back in it I mean, it was 2-2 in the 52nd minute right and then they right. got 3 minutes later and it was over from there but i mean you i'm looking at the stats right now and and honestly this scoreline does um flatter seattle quite a bit so well of
0: course i mean the, the banger and Rui Diaz just clinical. I yeah, mean, I mean,
1: R- Rui just- Diaz scored an incredible
0: free kick, and it was made to look average by Madronka.
1: Yeah, it was like the second or third best goal of the game, which is hilarious. But, I mean, I'm looking at the stats right now. Portland led on shots 21-15, to 15, shots on target 9-8, to 8. Seattle had 52% possession. But I think it just comes down to the fact that we know that Seattle are, I'd, I'd almost say, the most clinical team in the league. You know, they have the best striker in a league in in Raul Ruiz Diaz. And when they're just scoring goals like that and like you just can't stop them. So as much as I agree, yeah, this is pretty bad for Portland. um, When Seattle are playing like this, I I don't know anyone who's going to be able to stop them really. And that's why they're um, in in second in the West and, you know, only a point behind Kansas City who haven't been the greatest as of late, Um, although they did beat Dallas on Saturday but they got pumped by Leon in the league, in the league's cup six, one on midweek. We'll see. I I still would be surprised if Seattle don't end up finishing top of the West.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that they are obviously the favorites for MLS cup right now. I think that they should be.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for listening um, if you want to keep up with us and learn about um, when our other podcasts are coming out and whatnot, you can follow us on Twitter at u nine zero football. So it's u 90 football, but 90 in terms of the letters or sorry, the numbers and not the letters. Um, and yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at parrot which is P A R R E T T G O S T. And then Justin, your Twitter is.
0: Yeah. You can follow me at J S R football on Twitter.
1: And we'll see you guys all again next week for our review of game week two and um, the MLS happenings at the weekend as well. So thanks so much for listening and have a great rest of your week.